Hi there and welcome to Happy Thistle with me, Woody Morris. Happiness is all around us, but sometimes it can be hard to find. I'm here to remind you of your happy, sharing top tips along the way and helping you remember when you smile, the world smiles back. Let's go. Here's the show. Hello, gorgeous people. So here we are and welcome to Happy Thistle. So this is my first episode. And as I sit here in my little study with my three dogs, so if there's kind of funny noise going on in the background, um, and this is probably going to be a continuous thing through all my podcasts, animals making noise and my doggies making noise in the background, and um, then you know what it is. But yeah, I'm actually really nervous. And this is, oh man, it's, this has been a long time in coming and I just, I suppose I want to first of all just say a big shout out to a lot of people who have said to me over the years, Woody, you've got to do a podcast, you've got to do a podcast, um, you've got to share all your happiness hacks with people, they need to hear this and where did this come from? Well, I guess, well, lockdown, you know, when we were all in lockdown two years ago and, and that crazy period for all of us, I was actually so overwhelmed with gratitude for my life and I kind of wanted to share that with people because there was a lot of people out there really having a really shit time and I just was so grateful we were living, I live in the Scottish borders, it's a stunning place to live, I've got three children, they were all back at home again, you know I've got a gorgeous husband, we've got all these animals and I just felt that I just wanted, I, I was just so grateful and I just wanted to share happiness hacks because I've not always been that way. I've not always been happy and I've been through quite a lot in my life when I was younger and I do really believe that happiness can be a choice and I just want to help with that. So I guess I really hope to make a difference in your life with regards to helping you find your happy. So as I say, it's been a long time in coming and here we finally are and what stopped me is I guess we are so fearful to live fully out because of judgment. We're so conditioned to fit in, to be liked, to be seen to do the right thing, that we rarely do the right thing by ourselves. And, you know, I kept thinking, oh, what, what have I got to share? Oh, there's so many other podcasts out there. They're better than me. And these people are better than me. And it's when we get in that crazy comparison mode, which is just not good for anybody, then you, we stop ourselves from really fully living out. And there's a great book, The Four Agreements, um, by Don Miguel Ruiz. I don't know if you guys have read it. Definitely read it. Um, he just talks about that thing about people are just fearful to live full out. And he talks about take a risk to enjoy your life. Say yes when you want to say yes. Say no when you want to say no. Don't look around the room at others. Trust your gut and happiness will follow. And it's so true. And that comes from me who has been over the years, I'm now 51, the archetypal people pleaser. Like I would always, you know, so concerned about what other people thought. And I just, you know, was, it, it crippled me actually in times. And I look back and I just think, oh my God, why did I not do that? And so the big question well, we all ask, what what is happiness? And there's so many books out there and there's so many people who've gone before me with regards to this subject who I've listened to and who are just incredible and who've really been a massive inspiration to me to get on here and do this. Um, you know, we think 
is sort of the common um, stories are people think that money, status, appearance makes us happy. But we know, as we, particularly as we get older, that it's community, it's personal growth, it's purpose, it's having a why, it's being of service. And that brings you your happiness. And, you know, there's so much out there. And, um, you know, obviously there's so many books and all the rest of it. But, and, and I, again, thank you to all of the authors, which, you know, hopefully I'll be able to get them on this podcast at some point. You know, I have so many people I want to talk to about what makes them happy and what they believe happiness is. But why am I so passionate about the subject of happiness and living life full out? Well, there's a backstory, clearly. So I'm going to share a little bit about my background and um, and then just hopefully, uh, you know, at the end of the day, this podcast is all about helping make a difference in your life with regards to you and, and helping you find your happy. So, so I'm from Edinburgh originally. I was born and bred in Edinburgh. I was at school in the same school pretty much my whole life. I've got two older brothers and I was the youngest sister of them. And it was the usual kind of family, you know, when I was younger, the usual big brother kind of chaos, you know, telling me I had fat ankles and, you know, I was ugly and all that kind of stuff. But they were fab big brothers and they still are. I'm very, very, very grateful um, to and blessed to have two gorgeous big brothers. Um, and so when I was young, I guess I had um, a great upbringing. So I guess I'm, I probably need to set the scene where I am now. I live in the Scottish borders. I've got three children. I've got a gorgeous husband. My children are 21, Harry. Uh, Molly who's 19 and Archie who is 16 and my husband Phil and um, we live in the Scottish borders we moved back to Scotland about eight years ago so I'm going to go into that in a minute and uh, we live in a kind of a wee mini farm which is super cute I've got two horses four sheep loads of people who follow me on social media will see my little sheep I absolutely adore my little sheep three dogs two rabbits so I have always loved animals and I'm kind of living the dream now because of that so but yeah so back to when I was younger so I had a pretty great upbringing when I was really wee things really changed though when I turned 13 so um, I was walking home from school one day and um, I my brother was outside the door talking to a friend of my father's and I walked in through the gate and uh I, I, I said to my brothers, you know, what's going on? And he said, oh, dad's been in an accident. And um, I immediately started crying because I was kind of like, oh, he'd been in an accident the year before. And, um, you know, I came through the front door and, and I was taking my blazer off and I, was, and I remember it so clearly. And uh, my mum came flying down the stairs and she was still in her dressing gown. And she kind of started screaming at my brother and um, saying to him, you know, why have you told her? Why have you told her? And I'm thinking, what? Told me what? And she just turned around and said, your dad's dead. And, you know, when you remember so clearly where you are at that point, and then I just remember running out the house. And after that, everything was a bit of a blur. I don't really remember um, much after that. And I guess that day things changed massively for me. My mum um, really, really struggled. She became an alcoholic and there was days I would come home and I just didn't know what I was going to get when I came back um, from school. And, you know, we're talking, These are this is a long time ago. Things like this are talked about now and it's a bit lot more out in the open. Then, you know, at age 13, you know, I was really embarrassed. I was really embarrassed about what was going on in, at home, but also hugely protective of my mum because... She was a great mum when, when we were younger. She was a fantastic mum. And um, 
you know, she she always believed in me, encouraged all of us to follow our dreams and dream big. Um, and I, you know, I guess I, I credit her for a lot of my self-belief that she gave me. But things changed a lot and um, and it was it was tough going. And then, um, you know, as I say, we always um, we, we kind of covered for mum and and it was it was a really tough time in my in my childhood. So I guess I always had a really deep rooted belief in myself, thanks to my mum. Um, despite all the chaos that was going on around me, um, I left school with not really <laughs> the qualifications. Well, I didn't. I left school without the qualifications to get in to any kind of decent uh, college or university, despite being at private school my whole life. So that was a bit of a waste of money. But, I, you know, my school were incredible at looking after me. And I loved going to school, uh, you know, because my home life was so chaotic. I actually loved going to school. I never missed a day of school, but more for the social rather than the study. But hey, um, but yeah, so I went off to a kibbutz for a year. I'm not sure why I did that. I think I saw some movie and thought it was going to be the most amazing experience. I mean, I did meet lots of lovely people. Came back, I went to college to get the qualifications that I should have done at school to get into uni to study journalism. So I always wanted to be a journalist. I always had dreams of becoming a TV presenter, despite the fact lots of people were like, oh, it's really competitive. You'll never do that. I kind of always just dreamed big. I always believed it was possible. And again, I really do credit my mum for that. Um, for just always, she used to always say to me, oh, you can jump over their heads and backwards. And I wanted to kind of prove it to, to her as, as much as myself. So um, I went to uni, did, did my qualification. And, uh, and then after working in local radio for a year, I headed off to Hong Kong. Um, just, you know, it was a place where you played hard, partied hard. And... Um, I just thought, yeah, I quite fancy that. So I headed off there with a with a view to getting landing my dream job. I gave myself a month. I slept on the floor of my friend's house and um, and yeah, ended up getting a job with TVB, which was the local terrestrial channel, and literally landed the dream job I was looking for as a sports reporter, um, and um, started my job two days later. I got a call from my brother to say, you need to come home. Mum's in a really bad way. You need to come home now. In fact, you need to get on the next flight home. And I was like, oh my God, this is a nightmare. I need to get home straight away. So spoke with my boss who basically said, you need to be back by the 18th um, of December. We'll keep your job open for you. And I was thinking, oh, I'll all be fine. I'll be fine. So got on the flight, got home. My mum had been kind of really poorly in and out of a kind of coma and I kind of woke up when I got back and for the next two weeks it was kind of touch and go and this night she she was really anybody who has dealt with anybody with with alcoholism will know a lot of it it actually really affects their brain and their um their kind of coherence and sometimes they're really lucid and sometimes they're actually mad because of all the toxins that go into their brain and there was one day my mum sat up tried to light a cigarette and say, said to the nurse the only thing that quenches my thirst is a lager and lime and you know when you're just like oh my god mum this is why you're in here but she was quite a character anyway this night before this last night she she was really in good form and I remember just thinking oh you know I th really think she's going to get through this but I had a nagging thought at the back of my mind because of the, the next day of the date and the significance of the date, which I'll tell you. So the next morning, um, I was at my brother's house and um, I was just having some lunch. And then I got a call from the nurse to say, you need to get into hospital now. Your mum has started to bleed. You need to get here now. And I was like, oh, my God, you know, trying to get hold of my brother. 
my other brother was up in Dundee trying to get him there. It was all like mad panic and we all got there, um, but the inevitable happened and uh, she passed away um, on the 28th of November. And the significance of that date is it was 11 years to the day my father had died. And it was like, oh my God, you know, it's like she's chosen this day. I really believe that. And um, it was tough, you know, it was tough. And, and uh, you know, that's a, a whole other episode that, I, you know, I'd, I'd like to talk to or talk about with people and the experiences of death and how to get over death or how to live with grief. And that is the, the, the ultimate price of love is is grief. And um, anyway, so I was in this place at home in Scotland, surrounded by love, my friends, my family. But I had a decision to make. I had to go back to Hong Kong if I was going to carry on and live my life and follow my dream. And there's a great quote about this. You know, we're not given a good or a bad life. We're given a life and it's up to us to make it good or bad. So I headed back to Hong Kong. I had Christmas on my own. Um, I didn't really know that many people there at the time and the people that I did know were heading home for Christmas. So I was incredibly homesick and it was a really, really tough time. So um, I just kind of threw myself into work and um, I ended up being headhunted actually for, for a dream job in, in that I was presenting a sports show and actually doing all the sport myself. Um, you know, I, I did have editorial rights in that it was quite funny because um, I was able to, you know, all the Scottish... Uh, athletes at the time there was Scotland's Colin Montgomery and there was Scotland's Colin McRae I think it really used to piss off all my English friends but they kind of were like oh my god Woody you are the Scottishly most Scottishly Scottish person we know so yeah and I had a great time but then the cable network closed down after the handover things started changing in Hong Kong and so it was time for me to to come back I felt I was old at 28 so I came back and started looking for for work and because I guess I was a girl in sport at that time and there wasn't very many of us then I ended up getting offered these jobs and it was a case of which job do I choose so I chose to go with Sky um, and I was uh, fronting a, a sports show with them Gabby Logan or Gabby Yorth at the time she was and Gabby Logan headed off to ITV and I took over her role Sky um I look back and some of the sexist stuff that went on there was pretty crazy, but that's a, a story for another time. I would love to have a conversation with Gabby about this at some point. Um, but yeah, anyway, I then went on to GMTV and uh, loved it there. It was lots of fun. Um, despite, you know, you'd think a, a big group of girls would be really bitchy. It actually wasn't. It, there, there was a lot of, lot of fantastic people there. Lots of fun. And actually, I um, ended up going to the Olympics. I did the Rugby World Cup. I was the showbiz presenter uh, in um, LA for two months. You know, it really was amazing. And I'd just actually been told I was about to, um, well, in fact, I was about to go into my boss to tell him I was pregnant when he then said to me, by the way, Woody, we'd like you to cover the Sydney Olympics. And I was like, yeah, but by the way, I'm pregnant. So um, that kind of wasn't planned. But then, you know, I'm sure for a lot of us, these things aren't. And um, anyway, when little Harry was born after I did the Olympics it was amazing. And um, little Harry was born um, in the, the March 
And there I was in the big conundrum that lots of women suffer and don't know what the hell to do. I did not want a nanny bringing up my children. Obviously, my parents weren't around and I had that big decision to make. What do I do? Um, Part time wasn't available at the time and um, I didn't want someone else bringing up my baby. So it was with a really heavy heart. I quit my job and um, and it went freelance and I carried on doing that for a while and uh, but then it just just didn't work out when Molly came along we were living in London and um, we'd kind of moved back up to Southport my husband was setting up a sportswear company we'd moved up to Southport near Liverpool and we lived up there and then we were kind of back and forth and it just became just it just wasn't feasible so I moved the family back to Southport and that's predominantly where we brought the children up gorgeous place to live amazing friends right by the beach but I got to a point as I was getting older and after Archie was born um, all both my, my boys were born in Scotland which they the both got stories attached to which I'll tell you another time but um, I, literally I was in labour with Archie and I made Phil drive me to Scotland I mean that's how passionate I was about having them born in Scotland um, and I guess as I got older I was getting more and more homesick one of the we joke about this but every new year we would have a like a Hogmanay party showing all my English buddies how the Scots partied the best at Hogmanay and uh, my boys would always put their kilts on and uh, it was one time one year Harry turned around and went I'm not wearing a skate in a that was a really bad Scouse accent by the way um because this is what he was calling the kilt so I was like right it's time to go home so we kind of looked at ways of how that was going to work and yeah it was just a case of we looked at a school for Harry who was uh, you know he's, he was great at rugby and um, anyway one thing led to another and we ended up moving to the Scottish borders where we live now so that was eight years ago so I'd lived out of Scotland for 20 years and I was so um, just so homesick to get home and I was so so yeah it was just amazing coming back to Scotland but something I've discovered when I got here was the poverty. There's a lot of hidden hidden poverty in rural areas and um, I wanted to do something about it. So I got involved with Cash for Kids. I learned to ride, um, to do a horse race for charity and, you know, rather than doing a ball or something like that. So that's what I did. But then eight weeks out before I did the race, I fell off the horse, broke three ribs, punctured my lung. And I was pretty knackered, but um, in th- that kind of ignited my whole, I'm really into health and wellness and that kind of ignited my whole, whole sort of health and wellness journey because literally I was told by the consultant, you won't be able to do this race. You won't have time to heal. Um, you're 47. I was like, screw that. So I literally Googled how to heal your body. And it was all the principles we know um, of, you know, cutting out gluten, dairy, sugar, alcohol, caffeine, all the bad stuff. And I did all that. And I, um, eight weeks later, I was on the horse. And thanks to generosity of, of lots of people, we ended up raising over 100 grand, which was amazing. So I guess I'm sharing that with you because just to prove you can do anything when you set your mind to it. Don't listen to negative people. Believe in yourself. And if I'd listened to people when they said, oh, you'll never be a TV presenter, you'll never raise this money for cash for kids, you know, always believe in yourself. And I think that's something that despite everything that happened through my childhood with losing my parents at a young age, I did always believe in myself. And I think that's the thing, and this is where I'm going to finish on today, is life is just so short. These last couple of years, you know, I've lost numerous number of friends, um, 
to all different things, who are so young. My parents died so young. Every day I'm grateful for my life. My mum and dad didn't get the opportunity like so many other people. Growing old truly is a privilege denied to so many of us. And that's where I just feel it's our duty to live full out for those who haven't had the opportunity. So again, we're either in a state of love or fear. So I encourage you to lean in, find the courage, lean into that fear. The magic happens outside your comfort zone. So write that letter, you know, make that phone call, run that 5k, learn to ride, do whatever it is you dream of doing. Do that podcast, you know, whatever it is, you know, the most valuable thing you have in your life is your time and your energy. Both are limited. So guys, that's kind of an intro to me, my passion about happiness and living life full out. So I really look forward to sharing this journey with you. And please, you know, come back to me, give me some feedback. Um, let me know who you'd like on the show. Um, there's so many people I want to give a shout out to. I'm going to get my gorgeous buddy Vic on the show at some point. We did Spill the Beans together in lockdown and, um, you know, we shared lots of happiness hacks and fun um, along the way when we did that. So, yeah, thank you so much for joining me and just have the best day. Lots of love. Bye. Thanks so much for joining me. If you loved what you heard and think it could help someone else, then please do share on social media. You can find me on Instagram at Woody Morris with two Ys. And if you feel inclined, please jump onto Apple Podcasts and leave a wee review. Thank you so much for listening. It means the world. And always remember, when you smile, the world smiles back. See you next time.